In a courtroom, an elderly Jewish gentleman is called as a witness and uh, sworn in. And the attorney, the DA, asks him his age. And he answers, Kananohara 86. So the DA doesn't know what this, what's this, what's this word, Kananohara. He says, Mr. Cohn, please just state your age. He says, Kananohara 86. He's getting very flustered with this. He says, please, just a number, just your age. How old are you, Mr. Cohn? He says, Kananohara 86. <laughs> the DA can't take it anymore. There's another lawyer who's sitting in the gallery a Jewish lawyer who's waiting for a later uh, trial, but he's watching this go on. He gets up and he asks permission to approach the bench. The judge says, okay, come over, counselor. He says, listen, I think I know the problem. Is it okay if I help out? So uh, the judge asks the DA, this other attorney, he would like to, he'd like to help out with your, uh, with your witness here. He says, by all means, if he can get a straight answer out of him, go ahead. So the Jewish attorney says to the elderly Jewish gentleman, Mr. Cohn, Kananohora, how old are you? He says, 86. Okay. We're going to talk about Jewish trigger words. Jewish trigger words. Why? What? Where? This week is Parshas Chukas, and Parshas Chukas begins with the law of the red heifer, the Paraduma which was used as a means for purification from ritual impurity from contact with the dead. Now, if we look in Rambam, in the Mishnah Torah of uh, the Rambam of Maimonides, in the laws of Paraduma, Hilchas Paraduma, specifically in Peregimel Halochadala, chapter 3, paragraph 4, there, he mentions a little bit of the history of the red heifer. He tells us, Since this mitzvah was commanded, there have been nine of these red heifers that were used for the purification ritual. Until the destruction of the second Besamekdosh. Rishayna, the first one, was made by our teacher Moses. Shniya Asa Ezra, the second red heifer, was made, was prepared by Ezra, Ezra the scribe, who led the Jews back in the times of the uh, second temple. Veshava Ezra Ad Churban Abayas, and then there were seven more from the time of Ezra until the destruction of the second temple, which totals nine. and the tenth, Yasa HaMelech HaMashiach, will be prepared by the king Mashiach. Mehera Yegala, may he be speedily revealed. Amen ken Yehirotzein, so may it be Hashem's will. Okay, simple question. Mishneh Torah is a book of halacha. It's a book of law. It's not a prayer book. So how come the Rambam is davening? He's saying that prayer. Amen ken yehirotzein. So may it be God's will. Right there in the middle of uh, these laws. Now, you might say, you might say, well, that's precisely the point. The Rambam is always teaching us many, many laws. And maybe he was teaching us 
that we have to pray for Mashiach. Okay, so maybe that's the point, that he mentions Mashiach, and he says, Amen, can you hear saying, so may it be Hashem's will that Mashiach should be speedily revealed. And it teaches that we should not just believe in Mashiach, but we should ask for Mashiach and pray for Mashiach and, and, and uh, beseech Hashem to send Mashiach. Maybe that's what he's teaching. However, however, I have a question. There's a whole section of Rambam dedicated just to Mashiach. Chapters 11 and 12 of Hilchas Malachim, at the very end of Mishnah Torah. That's where the laws of Mashiach are dealt with. So the Rambam could have dealt with it right there. He could have told us, not only should you, should you expect Mashiach and believe in Mashiach, you should constantly cry out for Mashiach and ask Hashem to send Mashiach. He could have told us over there. Why does he show us this, Amen Ken saying this prayer of asking for Mashiach, in the middle of Hilchas Paraduma, the laws of the Red Heifer, which is a totally unrelated area, and Mashiach happens just to come up tangentially as, as a side point. So, this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Jewish trigger words. We hear a lot about now, nowadays about, you know, being triggered, or there, we see news reports that have trigger warnings. And, and the truth is, it's a natural human trait to have strong emotional associations with, with certain words, whether it's positive or negative. Think about a little kid. If you tell a, a child, doctor's appointment, okay, they're going to suddenly get a very strong emotional reaction, probably very negative. Or imagine if you say to a kid, ice cream. Okay, just say the word ice cream, and all of a sudden, they get all excited, and you better have ice cream, because they're not going to calm down until you give them ice cream, right? And the truth is, it's not just children, because we don't really grow out of trigger words. Our triggers just sort of change. <laughs> As we grow, we still have trigger words. They're just different than they were when we were kids. Like, for instance, there are words that I could say right now, in the middle of giving this class, that would totally distract and derail everyone's attention, because these words are so polarizing, and they evoke such an immediate and automatic, intense response, that all of a sudden that would just be the focus. It would just take all of your emotional energy, and, uh, you know, we, we'd be done talking about whatever we wanted to talk about, uh, whatever was, was planned. And that's, and, and that's why, if you're giving a class, by the way, you try to avoid those words that are going to unnecessarily evoke a really powerful emotion that's off the topic of what you're trying to talk about. Um, and, and a lot of these words are political. I mean, just let, let's, be, let's be honest. A lot of these, these trigger words are political, uh, political buzzwords, and they get a very, very strong automatic res response from people. Now... We as Jews, we have sort of special trigger words. And, um, you know, maybe you remember when it has happened to you. Maybe you can recall the first time somebody ever referred to you with an anti-Semitic slur. And you remember how that felt. Or maybe even you can remember not necessarily someone even trying to be uh, anti-Semitic. And they weren't maybe even speaking to you. But you've probably been in a situation or perhaps you've been in a situation where you hear you know other people speaking non-jews maybe are speaking and they they mention the holocaust or they mention israel okay and there's an automatic very strong emotional reaction just from hearing 
those words. So I want to talk about a very important and special Jewish trigger word today. And we've already actually mentioned it, although I don't know if it triggered anybody. And maybe that's sort of the point. It's the M word. Mashiach. Now, in some ways, Mashiach's already a trigger word, especially if you say it in, in, in English. You know, Messiah, right? You know, you can, you can use that word to scare people. Oh, those are those people. They believe in the Messiah, right? <laughs> okay. But, um, you know, the, Mashiach is always a, a polarizing, has always been somewhat of a polarizing concept or a misunderstood concept. There's a story of Reb Nachum Chernobyler, that one time he stayed at an inn that was managed by a simple Jew. And uh, he got up at midnight to say the Tikkun Chatzos prayer. At midnight, there's a prayer that the righteous say where they mourn for the destruction of the of the Beis Amigdash, of the Holy Temple. So Reb Nachum got up in the middle of the night and he was saying his Tikkun Chatzos prayers and he was crying, he was weeping. And the innkeeper, it was a simple Jew, he heard the crying, he didn't know what's going on. He comes knocks on the door, Reb Nachum answers the door and, and, and the innkeeper's standing there sort of sheepishly like, you know, like, what's going on? And Reb Nachum says, oh, I'm saying Tikkun Chatzos. Now, the simple Jew, he doesn't understand what, all, what, what that even means. So he says, I'm crying for the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. He doesn't understand what the Beis HaMikdash is. So he tries to explain it to him. Uh, okay, all right, fine, Beis HaMikdash. So he goes back, the innkeeper leaves, goes back down the hall. And Reb Nachum continues to daven. He's crying, he's crying. And a few minutes later, <laughs> the innkeeper's back at the door knocking again. And he comes in and says, listen, I spoke to my wife. She wants to know, why, why are you really crying? He says, no, I'm telling you. Beis HaMikdash. We want Mashiach to come. And, Mashiach, what are you talking about Mashiach? He says, listen, let me, let me try to make it accessible to you. Okay? He, he understands. He's, this is a very simple Jew. He says, you know when the Cossacks get drunk and they come to town and they beat everybody up and they steal everything? That's, that's not good, right? He's like, right, right. He says, okay, so Mashiach is going to come and take us all from here to the Holy Land, to the land of Israel. And then the Cossacks won't be able to beat us up anymore. Oh, okay, I think I get that. That I think I understand. So he closes the door, he goes back down the hall to go tell his wife. The innkeeper goes to tell his wife. And Abnachim continues davening. And he's crying, he's crying. And then a few minutes later, knock at the door again. Opens the door, the innkeeper's standing there again. He says, listen, I spoke to my wife. We just paid ahead a whole year of rent on this inn to the Poritz. We, we, we can't go to, to Israel with Mashiach right now. My wife says... Tell Mashiach to come and take the Cossacks and bring them to the land of Israel and leave us here. At any rate, the point is that Mashiach is a word that can evoke strong emotional associations, and it should evoke strong emotional associations. The, the point is that they should be very positive associations. That's the way we should be reacting. And when we hear the word, it should catch our attention. It should pull our focus. And uh, that's actually what the Rambam is teaching us. We can answer our question now. We were asking before, why does the Rambam teach us that we need to pray for Mashiach? When he, when he says, Ken Yehirotzein, may, may it be Hashem's will, that, that Mashiach be revealed very soon. Um, why does he do it in the wrong place? In the laws of Paraduma, of the red heifer, he should have done it in the laws of Mashiach, right? Because that, that itself is a lesson, that itself is part of the point. 
the Rambam wasn't just teaching us that we need to pray for Mashiach. The Rambam was teaching us that we should be so triggered by the word Mashiach then, that even when it's not the main point, even when it was just brought up tangentially, that wasn't the main point, guys, but we, we, we hear the word Mashiach so much as uttered, and we can't help ourselves. We get triggered and we say, Hashem should send Mashiach already. Amen ken yei may it be Hashem's will. That's the point. You know, let, let me try to put this in, in, into the language of our time. We all know that our devices are all spying on us at all times, okay? We're constantly logged in to our uh, Google accounts and, and, and our email is spying on us and, and every time we, we, we use a search engine, it's spying on us. And I mean, we, we all accept this and we know this and it's learning our habits. And uh, you know, that's why, by the way, people's opinions are getting more and more extreme. You think about it, we always had right and left, politically I'm saying, but um, today everything's polarized. You know why it's polarized? Because the search engines are learning what grabs your attention, what triggers you, so to speak, and they're using those things to pull your attention to keep you online, of course. So you go and you Google, how long should you bake an apple pie for, okay? And uh, so you get some results that are relevant, but then you get these results that are not, you know, don't, don't, don't want to mention not nice things, but, you know, YouTube and this video itself, uh, we, we post to YouTube as well for those who are, who are, who are on YouTube, right? So you're going, you, you want to see how to fix a bike chain, okay? And you're looking for how to fix a bike chain. And then on the side, all of a sudden, there's, there's a video, um, so-and-so destroy so-and-so in debate about such-and-such. Why does YouTube think that you're interested in that? Well, because it's smart, because the guy who wrote the algorithm knows your trigger words and he knows what's gonna get you going, what's gonna evoke a gut reaction from you. And then you click on that and it, oh, then it realizes and it learns, oh, this is what keeps him, this is what keeps him engaged, this is what keep, keeps him online. And then they keep on triggering you and triggering you and triggering you and, and, and evoking all these intense responses from you uh, because that's how they keep you online and, advertise you and, and make money off of you. Okay, but that's not my point. I'm not, this is not social commentary about, about internet. The point is like this. Mashiach should be a word that when we hear it, it captures our focus so thoroughly. It just pulls our focus so that whatever else we were looking for, all of a sudden, Mashiach, that I would hope that if I'm going and I'm Googling how long do you bake an apple pie for, or if I'm looking for a YouTube video, how to fix a bike chain, YouTube should know that if it puts Mashiach in the side, oh, Mashiach, I won't be able to help myself. I'll click on it because I want to find out what does it say about Mashiach, okay? Mashiach is supposed to be our Jewish trigger word, our biggest Jewish trigger word. And that's the lesson that Amam is teaching. That he's in the middle of teaching the laws of Paraduma, and he happens to mention that the 10th Paraduma, the 10th Red Heifer, is going to be in the times of Melech Mashiach, the times of, the, of, of King Mashiach. May he be re revealed speedily. Can you not say, oh, all of a sudden he's davening. Why? Because when you so much as hear Mashiach mentioned, it's that trigger, oh, got to click on it, got to click on it, got to go for it, got to think about it, got to talk about it, got to relate to it, have that emotional connection to it. That's what the Rambam is teaching us. That's what the Rambam is teaching us. So, uh, you know, when, uh, when, when the search engine results start pushing Mashiach on us for everything we search for, we'll know that uh, 
you know, sometimes you can learn a lot about yourself from what your search engine thinks you're interested in. So, you know, halavai, whatever we go looking for, you know, um, how, <laughs> how do you uh, make a paper airplane? And it, it, you know, should tantalize us with some uh, Mashiach clickbait because it knows that just hearing the word Mashiach gets a, a reaction out of a Jew. And we should react and react and react until finally it becomes our reality.